0: Good morning! Uh, My name's Todd Lanting. For those of you who are visiting, I'm uh, the preaching pastor here at West Bowles Community Church. Welcome. Um, And for those who have been here any length of time, you know we've been spending some time in Exodus. And in our current series in Exodus, last week on Easter, you'll recall that we left Israel on the freedom side the eastern side of the Sea of Reeds, what we call the Red Sea, remember? The Egyptians and their gods have been thoroughly defeated, and Israel is free. But a question I've got for us this morning is, um, is Israel really free yet, do you think? A couple of months ago, I was talking about this question with Annika McPherson, As many of you know, Annika and her husband, Matt, literally grew up in our church and are now the leaders of our high school youth group. And Annika and I were chatting after staff one day about whether or not Israel, after the miracle at the Red Sea, was now truly free. Well, it didn't take long for me to see that Annika had some real insight and no small amount of passion on this important question, not only for Israel then, but for us today. So I asked her, eventually when we got to this point in our Exodus series, if she would share today. And she said yes. Yay! (laughs) One of the... uh, One of the great blessings that I have and all of us at West Bulls have here, while I speak personally, one of the blessings that I have is I am surrounded by staff and leadership and people who have incredible insight and wisdom given by God and who are amazing teachers. And uh, Annika is no exception. So I am thrilled for you to hear from Annika today. Those of you who are visiting it gives you a chance to see the excellent teaching and discipling that your teen sons and daughters, your high school sons and daughters, are getting from Monica. And it became clear to me that God has really placed on her heart something to share today. And in this series on Exodus, became clear to me it's something that we all really need to hear this thing that God has placed on her heart. I know I do. So as we listen to her this morning and hear from our new friend Kevin, keep a few questions in mind, won't you? Um, Among them, is Israel, now that God has acted in this mighty way at the Red Sea, is she really free yet? Or... Is it one thing to take a people out of slavery, and quite another to take the slavery out of the people? Would you join me, please, in giving a warm welcome to our very own Annika McPherson. Annika.
1: Good morning, church. How is everyone today? It's good to see most of you back from spring break. Well, a while back, Todd mentioned to me, like he just said, um, that he wanted me to speak sometime this spring. And as it usually happens when I'm asked to come up here in front of you all, I avoid Todd for the next several months. Don't know if you noticed this, Todd. But anyway, (laughs) I all of a sudden have a phone call I have to take or a meeting I have to get to after our staff meetings. But anyway... Eventually, he got up with me and, well, I'm here. Actually, he reminded me that within community, it really is important to hear from a variety of different voices, male, female, young, and older, older. Um, <laughs> because, of course, we all have a unique story, different from the next. So today, I'm hoping that you'll tune in with me um, as I share Kevin's story. Kevin has been a part of our young adult group here at West Bowls, the Acacia group, for the past year. And we've had the awesome opportunity to get to hear um, about his life and to really share in his testimony. Um, It's a story filled with struggle, sin, desperation, redemption, and hope. In fact, I was reminded of his story um, through the past several weeks as we've been plowing together through, through this Exodus series. If you remember way back in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 7, the Lord remembers his covenant, and he says to Moses, Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God, out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So here we see four promises that the Lord has made to the children of Israel. In our study so far, he's already fulfilled the first promise. He's he's brought them out of Egypt. Today, I'd like to take a deeper look at the Lord's second promise. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. You see, I'd love to say that the joy, praise, and celebration of freedom that the Israelites experienced in chapter 15 that we looked at last week is where the story ends. That the the great song of Moses is where we say happily ever after. But it's not. They've been delivered out of Egypt, out of captivity, but they are still really slaves. The Israelites are still victims to this sort of slave mentality remember, these people have been oppressed for several generations. That's a long time. So this slave frame of mind is not just going to go away with a simple change of scenery. I believe that's why God puts these first two promises separate from one another. He knew that after pulling them out, he'd have to completely retrain them in their way of thinking. He'd have to break down their habits and change their perspectives entirely. We'll talk more about that later, but for now, listen with me so the first
2: part of Kevin's story. Hey everybody, I'm Kevin Jackson. You know, I'm, I'm from East Coast, Maryland. And I grew up there, you know, there's a lot of um gang activity, you know, drugs. I grew up with no father and, a, you know, it's sad to say, but a very weak mother too. I don't think she was capable to, you know, take care of three men, two, three boys at that. And all, the, all these things that i seen, you know, and grew up around, you know, I knew at the age of five that when I grew up, I wanted to get high and I wanted to drink like all the elders, you know, and I wanted to make the fast money from selling drugs because it was the easy life, you know, but it never lasted for long. You know, the fruit always went bad from when you get it from the streets and I've sadly took a long time to realize that. And as I grew older, you know, these things became easy for me to get my hands on, you know, this lifestyle became very easy for me to do and it was, I was comfortable with my environment, you know, the people. I knew people, I knew everyone. And I became very comfortable and went down a very bad path. And what I came to realize is opportunities aren't always positive, you know. Some people say you have an opportunity to work, you have an opportunity to to um go to college. Well, there's also an opportunity to get high, you know. There's opportunities are negative and positive as far as, I used to struggle with money. You know, I want money, I want money, but every time I would get into my hands that created more opportunities for me, positive and negative. And me being weak, you know, I did fall into the negative opportunities many times. As I, as I became comfortable with my environment and my lifestyle definitely made me happy because I had wicked desires, you know, that's it was all around me. And I became the person that I thought I wanted to be in my own eyes and definitely in the devil's eyes I was the person he wanted me to be. And after years and years, you know, my streets only ran so long. There was always a dead end. I grew sick and tired of myself. and. always thought that there was a way out just to get away from my environment so that all the influences wouldn't be around me.
1: So after hearing Kevin's experience, my question to you is what is holding you captive? What is enslaving you? For Kevin, it was addiction, money, popularity, often even comfort. He eventually, um, Yeah, he said comfort, but for others it may be illness, worry, materialism, perversion, illness, loss of a job, loss of a loved one, broken relationship. What is your Egypt? Kevin said there was always a dead end in his Egypt. Nothing lasted. He said the fruit always went bad. He eventually grew tired of himself. You may relate to this. I know that I certainly do. But did you hear what he said at the end there? He said, but I always knew there was a way out. I always knew there was a way out. So realize that no matter what is oppressing you, no matter what is tormenting, keeping you down, that God always hears your cry. Because we see throughout scripture that God always hears the cry of the oppressed. God heard the cry of the Israelites and he sent Moses. God heard Kevin's cry and delivered him to a new place, to Colorado. Let's see what happens next.
2: I came out here to Colorado in um, February of 2009. A long lost aunt had accepted me and my family to come to Colorado and we came out here and lived. And my two brothers and my mother went back and I chose to stay because I knew that if I went back home that I would send myself back to the cage that you know me as an animal was trying to get out of. Now when I first came to Colorado, it definitely felt like a brand new beginning. I felt like I was rescued, you know, I was away from all the bad influences and away from all my wicked desires, all the things that I loved doing and I felt in love with and was comfortable doing. I finally got away from them and I had a brand new beginning and a chance to make myself a new person a chance to make myself more like the person I know God wanted me to be. I've new influences presented themselves, you know, new temptations presented themselves, and definitely new issues and new struggles. You know, before back home it was, you know, the people and the person I wanted to be and my image that I wanted to perfect. And it wasn't very good from my eyes, but I still wanted to be that type of person, you know, that drug dealer, you know, dealing with drugs and drinking, you know, women and running the streets and all that. But now up here, I have a new image why I wanted to be the person that God wanted me to be and there was new influences there was people in my own home that was um dragging me down and the people around me that I had I no longer had control of my life now that I ran to a place that I felt was safe it was actually dangerous you know like as far as my spirituality and the person I'm supposed to be whereas back home Um, It was all around me. It just surrounded me everywhere. So now I put myself and chose to fall in love with a new environment because I felt as though it was safe. And I felt as though it was a blessing from God, such an opportunity to come so far away from home. You know, and, and to be able to solitude myself because that's always what I thought I needed was solitary, you know, to get closer to God. And while I'm doing this, while I'm locked in this safe little place, the devil was in there the whole time, you know and he was definitely working through the people that was closest to me to get to me and drag me down. And the issues that I would face was, you know, like slander from people that didn't even know me. You know, people chose to dislike me for no reasons. I had wronged them none. I began doing wrong with my mind. I would, I would construe wicked schemes and wicked thoughts of how I'm going to get back at these people and what can I do to get even. What I faced, that was definitely um, a struggle is now instead of my actions and my, me putting my body into evil, my mind was becoming evil because of what people was, you know, how they felt towards me for what I believe is no reason. I, I've definitely been tempted to go back to become comfortable again But, you know, I thank God that He lets me realize that going back home is, you know, no good. Like I've always said, you know, there's animals that are caged. You know, when they finally get out, they break free and they want to run for whatever direction. They don't make no plans or nothing. And for me to return home would be foolish, I think, you know, to go back to that same trap because that's why I'm comfortable. So definitely, I've wanted to go home, you know, for comfort and to be loved by everyone, you know, and to be wanted around and all that because these are all the things I'm not getting up here in Colorado. You know, up here, I'm hated up here I'm overstaying my welcome it seems like you know whereas back home it was never like that so I've been tempted to go home to be comfortable again you know to have that secure home again to have that three meals a day again you know because my mother lives back home that's where my family is you know that's easy for me to go home so definitely I wanted to go home to make it easier on myself but you know nothing comes good unless you struggle
1: So we see, as we talked about a few weeks ago, that God's deliverance doesn't always come in the way that we would expect. A great example of this is Jesus, right? The long-awaited Savior coming to rescue his people only to be arrested and crucified right before their eyes, leaving them in total devastation, feeling all is lost. When only days later, they are again filled with hope as they witness and experience the power of the resurrection and Christ's victory over death. And of course, we see a story of unexpected deliverance also with the Israelites. They waited and waited through the plagues for God to rescue them and to deliver them to fulfill his promise. And then finally he does. He pulls them out of Egypt only to lead them into the desert. Kevin's move to Colorado wasn't as liberating as he had hoped either. Initially, it felt like a new beginning. He felt like he had truly been rescued from this lifestyle in Maryland. He hoped that coming to Colorado would fix his problems. But soon, Kevin faced new struggles, new influences, different captivities. He realized evil is always in pursuit no matter where he is. So again, he had to wait. He had to wait for God to bring clarity and a new direction He had to wait with the hope that God would hear his cry again and make a way through the desert. But as most of us know, Kevin said, waiting in the desert is very lonely at times. Frustrating, it's confusing, and often it's even more tempting than the place we came from, than our Egypt. It certainly was for the Israelites. Like I said in the last chapter, in chapter 15, the Israelites are so relieved that they've been liberated that all they can do is sing, praise, and yell out their excitement. But in the very next chapter, we read this. Follow along with me. Exodus 16, 1 through 3. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to to starve this entire assembly to death. So because the Israelites could not see a way, they were doubtful that there was a way. And they even mentioned that what it was like back there back in Egypt might have been better than their current condition. What little comfort they had as slaves in Egypt sounded better to them than their freedom in the desert. In their minds, their limitations became God's limitations. How often does that happen to us? In our minds, our limitations become God's limitations. I think that um, this is kind of one of the coolest things about our God. He knows that we are often doubtful and that we very little trust in him like we should. As Elizabeth Elliot says, God hears us pray as though our own needs might exhaust his resources. But you know what? He pardons us for that. In fact, earlier in Exodus, when God is first leading the people out of Egypt, scripture says it so happened that after Pharaoh released the people, God didn't lead them by the road through the land of the Philistines, which was the shortest route. For God thought if the people encounter war, he'll change their minds and go back to Egypt. So God led the people on the wilderness road, looping around to the Red Sea. So I think at times we would rather go back to our Egypt as well, back to our slavery, as crazy as it sounds. Sometimes our old sin, our old misery, and for some, actually being the victim is more comfortable than the unknown of the desert. Like I said before, though we've been delivered from a specific struggle or sin, doesn't mean that we've been freed entirely of this slave mentality. It requires the constant breaking down of our old habits, of our old way of thinking, for us to really feel right in our new environment to truly feel free from being slaves. And of course, such remolding takes time. And unfortunately, our society is dependent upon instant gratification and immediate results and answers. Patience is hardly ever required of us anymore. So sadly, many of us have forgotten how to remain where we are, in the place God has us now, on this day, in this moment. Waiting is not something that we like to do. So how long are you willing to wait in the desert? How long are you willing to wait for God to do something new in your life? He may be left there sitting there thinking, I'll wait. I can wait. But what then am I to do when the dryness of the desert, the loneliness of the wilderness threatens to overtake me? What hope do I have when I am tempted to look back? To go back to the Egypt I came from? Well, the answer God has given me over and over again is remember what I've done for you. Remember what I've done for you. Remember, I've rescued you once, twice, three times, and I will do it again and again and again. In the New Testament, Paul speaks to a congregation in Corinth, telling them how hard his journey has been so far. In the message translation, 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 11, he says, It was so bad, we didn't think we were going to make it. We felt like we'd been sent to death row, that it was all over for us. As it turned out, it was the best thing that could have happened. Instead of trusting in our own strengths or wits to get out of it, we were forced to trust God totally. Not a bad idea, since he's the God who raises the dead. And he did it. He rescued us from certain doom. And he'll do it again, rescuing us as many times as we need rescuing. Let's look one final time at where God has Kevin now.
2: Well, I did. Um, I did fall into old temptation. I felt as though I'm in a new place. I'm doing better in certain areas, so now I can control myself better. I control my life better. But that was that was me fooling myself. You know, I tricked myself. And now that God, I feel like God has delivered me again. You know, as far as the temptation, I'm learning. You know, it's still a struggle. The temptations are different. You know, and I have fallen, but I've gotten up again. Well, yeah. Um, you, I, I wanted to come up. Colorado for one, you know, to to make myself better, and I completely contradicted myself as I became comfortable. You know, I, I fell back downhill, you know, willingly. That's what I chose to do, you know, after God delivered me once. And then He allowed me to become fed up with my new issues that I'm having in Colorado. And as I became fed up with them, you know, I chose to try again, and He delivered me once again, you know. He's blessed me with blessings I've never had now. You know, I've been baptized just Two weeks ago today I was baptized, you know, and he's he's definitely upheld me, you know, he's helped me turn down the temptations that I've had all my life. God has delivered me and blessed me with the will to say no, you know, he's helping me say no and he's, he's put me in a new place with the only people I live with, you know, is, is is a a friend of mine and my um, brother you know so all these people they're not they don't want bad for me they want nothing but the best for me so that is a blessing alone you know for god to surround me with nothing but love that is all that's there for me and he's also blessed me to become a teacher to them you know they're they're following me you know and they're they're practicing god along with me so now instead of trying to practice in the dark alone around a bunch of evildoers you know i have people that are willing to do it with me, you know, willing to walk beside me, willing to hold my hand, you know. I know that He's always present. He hasn't kept me alive this long, you know, and He hasn't brought me this far just to leave me. And right now, you know, I felt like I should have this miraculous feeling after being baptized, but, you know, I feel it in myself that it's like starting a new job, you know. You're in training, you know. You can't do the work that God wants you to do. You have to train first. I have to become a Christian first. I have to practice you know, saying no to my temptation to the, to the day where it comes that it's a habit to say no, because I still recognize my temptations every day, but God has blessed me with the will to say no. And I'm, I just remain patient because I know God is good. You know, I know that He wants me obviously for many reasons, you know, and I continue to believe that it is something great that He wants me for, so I'm going to wait as long as I need to because He's waited for 20 years.
1: Thank you, Kevin, for sharing your story and being vulnerable with us. So don't forget what the Lord has done for you. Believe, as Kevin said, that God has certainly not brought you this far just to leave you. I often tell the high school kids that all you have to do is remember the cross. Just remember the cross. I say that over and over. We just had Good Friday and Easter, a time to reflect on the sacrifice that God has made for each and every one of us. And the absolute worst thing that we could do would be to forget that. To forget what he did. That he loves his people so much that he died on the cross and rose again. Kevin's story is so powerful because it's a reminder that God does hear our cry. Even when we think he doesn't. That God is patient. So we should be patient with him too. And there is nothing. Nothing. That God has not already done for us. He has rescued and delivered us. And he will do it again and again and again. Kevin said God waited for him 20 years. So he's willing to wait as long as he needs. Are you? Let's pray please. Lord we come before you today. Desperate for vision. Clarity. New new direction in our life. Help us in our times in the desert. Draw close to us as we struggle to hear and see you. And remind us that you are beside us, waiting to deliver us again and again. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.